So here's a question for you. Would you benefit from ongoing support to improve your bottom line and ultimately help you master the business of practice ownership? Tracy Cherpesky International offers you a proven, impeccably designed method to scale your practice while preserving your most precious assets, your time and energy. We blend executive leadership with business coaching and consulting to bring you what you need most to help you become an agile entrepreneurial CEO while serving your patients with the utmost attention to their care. You receive individualized coaching and support from me and our professional team, providing the best of executive leadership and business consulting to grow your practice without you working more. Schedule your complimentary 45-minute practice assessment call at tracycherpesky.com forward slash coaching hyphen benefits. Welcome to Thriving Practice. I'm your host, Tracy Cherpesky, and I can't wait to introduce you to our incredible guests and to share business tips and strategies that will help make your life easier and support you in becoming the exquisitely fulfilled CEO you're meant to be. I am on a mission to help practice owners take back one day per week for the rest of their careers so they can focus on healing their patients and falling back in love with their practice. Join us to learn how you can grow your practice while focusing on doing what you love most, taking excellent care of your patients. You'll want to take notes, so let's go. Guess what? I don't believe in work-life balance. I also have serious doubts about the updated version of this unachievable and unsupported, at least in the U.S., version of work-life balance, which is now called work-life integration. I take issue with both of these ideas for a number of reasons, and I'll dig into that shortly. Before I do, though, I want to share with you that we are preparing to celebrate our 100th episode in a couple of weeks, and I couldn't be more proud of my team and myself for getting this far. I am grateful for all of the incredible guests we've had over these past nearly two and a half years. It's humbling to have all these opportunities to spend time with our guests, to learn from their wisdom, and share it with you, our listeners. I'm also grateful for you. Thank you for tuning in and for your support. It means a lot to me, as sometimes podcasting can feel a little bit like screaming into the void. Over this time, we have watched our stats with wonder and awe as our episodes have been downloaded across the globe and our growth has been organic and steady. We love the opportunity to bring you high-quality, evergreen content from top-notch guests and from our own team here at Tracy Trapeski International. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on the celebration and the special 100th episode we have planned for you. Now let's talk about why the relentless pursuit of equilibrium or work-life balance or work-life integration is holding you back in life and work. First, definitions. Work-life balance, according to the research by Greenhouse and colleagues, is defined as the extent to which an individual is equally engaged in and equally satisfied with his, her, or their role and family role, work role and family role. This means that individuals should be able to manage their work responsibilities and their personal obligations in a way that allows them to have time and energy for both. Work-life integration, on the other hand, is a more holistic approach that recognizes that work and personal life are not separate, but rather interdependent aspects of an individual's overall well-being. Work-life integration recognizes that both 
work and personal life can and should support each other and that individuals should be able to seamlessly integrate work and personal obligations as needed. This might involve using technology to work remotely or arranging flexible work hours that allow for family or personal obligations. Now, the reason I take issue with both of these may seem simplistic on the surface, but stay with me because maybe those ideas, particularly work-life integration, work in the corporate world. In fact, when I was doing research for this episode to back up my claims and to get a clearer idea of this relatively new concept of work-life integration, I was pretty disappointed in what I found, with the exception of a study I read by Harvard Business Review. I am not ashamed to tell you that I fully expected (laughs) to dislike and resist what HBR had to say about work-life balance, but I was pleasantly surprised. I'll share why shortly. So here's why I was disappointed in what I found in terms of resources and research for work-life balance. I searched every combination I could think of to find research specific to medical and dental providers and work-life balance or integration, and even more specifically for practice owners. There is precious little data in general about you, my awesome people. I'm calling you my people because we work with practice owners and their teams, and it's frustrating as hell that there's little to no data to support you all. Even when I searched, does work-life balance exist for physicians? I found one article to address the challenges of striking a balance or integration or whatever you want to call the ability to have and enjoy life in and outside of work. Even more frustrating, the tips and suggestions provided are shallow at best. Here's some advice from one of the articles I read, and I quote, an integrated lifestyle is more the possibility than being able to separate from personal life. Instead of balance, we need to strive for a better blend, end quote. What does that even mean? I mean, for the practice owner, what does a better blend really look like? Where's the line? How are you supposed to know if you're striking a balance or integrating or whatever you want to call that? Other resources I found used phrases like set boundaries, prioritize your time, take breaks, practice self-care. And yet there's so little written to show what that looks like, let alone how to implement it. I don't know. I just feel like we could do better, particularly for you, the practice owner. From what our clients tell us, the research we've tried to do, and the general lack of comprehensive data and support for practice owners, all I can say is this. I see you. I know you're pathetically undersupported and under-resourced, and I want you to know that we are doing something about it. We are on a mission to help practice leaders decrease the chaos, buy back their time, and improve their profitability so they can become the exquisitely fulfilled provider CEO they're meant to be. In spite of my frustration on your behalf, I plowed through some articles, research, and other information to try to get a better understanding of why the idea of work-life balance is so elusive, especially for practice owners. I'll tell you, with the exception of the one article I found about physicians, most of what I found is really geared toward the corporate world. And now I can say that I know the source of my frustration. (laughs) If most of the research about trying to have a fulfilled career and life is geared toward folks working in the corporate world, that leaves a whole lot of others out of the picture. Say, for example, 
people don't have desk jobs, folks who are working in skilled labor, and of course, the entire medical and healthcare communities. And then you're even more the redheaded stepchild of the data gathering world, because even though a little over 49% of medical providers work in private practices, the research just doesn't seem to take you into account. It also doesn't differentiate between working in and owning a private practice. If you're not though, because I've got you. I'm not going to spend a ton of time trying to dismantle the foundation of the work-life dichotomy, but I will say even Fortune magazine says that work-life balance is a generational illusion. It says that it's always been misleading and that we need to move beyond the notion that work is simply the thing we do for a paycheck and life is merely the momentary reprieves showing up between showing up at the office. It goes on to say that work, when it engages us, is life-affirming. This is the key for our clients. Their life's work is a mission rather than simply a job. So the image that the word balance provides is one of equilibrium, like those old-fashioned rocker balance scales. And if you're working a full schedule at the practice that you own and lead, I guarantee that you're never going to be in equilibrium. And even if you're not actively pursuing that, the image is likely in your mind. It's certainly in mine. And trying to find a balance is on every single one of our clients' minds. I am so tempted to jump into solutions since I'm wired up and trained as a fixer, but I'm resisting the urge so I can provide a robust picture for you. The notion of work-life balance will need to continue to evolve for sure. Because even as the Fortune article pointed out, people ultimately want autonomy and control over their lives so they can make meaningful decisions about the work they do. Thinking about the concept of work and how we've been conditioned to work, particularly in the U.S., it's important to look outside of our bubble and learn from other parts of the world where happiness scores are higher, mental and physical health outcomes are better, and labor laws are favorable to workers. In Europe, labor laws envisage no more than 48 hours a week at work, indicating that beyond this, labor is both unhealthy and relatively unproductive. The rationale behind these laws clearly favors the well-being of workers. And if we look at the impact of overwork and lack of balance or an integrated life, we cannot ignore the negative impacts of the chronic stress associated with overworking and lack of some semblance of balance. Some of those are weaker immune response leading to more minor illnesses, muscle aches, headaches, also increased risk of strokes and heart attacks. So what can we do about it and how can I support you? You may recall I mentioned my surprise and delight, or maybe I didn't quite actually say that, but that I was surprised to find that a study done by Harvard Business Review took a very interesting approach to how to establish a work-life balance. And I'm going to lay it out for you and share with you how we help our clients create balance, because most of the examples uh, they used in the study were from the perspective of the corporate world. The first thing that struck me about the article was the title. Work-life balance is a cycle, not an achievement. My mind immediately went to the work of Carol Dweck on mindset and the difference between a fixed and growth mindset. Now I totally understand why I get so irritated with the concept of balance and to a lesser extent, the corporate approach to integration. 
The concept of striking a balance is fixed, or as the HBR article suggests, perceiving perceived as something to achieve. Achievement is generally a final destination. And once you've gotten there, you're done. But that's not going to work in real life because you will need to get back up and start a new day and do it all over again. And if you have to try to achieve the same thing every day or reach the same destination, it'll likely get old or feel out of reach since every day will bring you something new and different because, you know, life isn't static. Even before I get to the actionable tips, I'll start here with the title. Work-life balance is a cycle, not an achievement. Eureka, it's a mindset. When our clients ask for help in striking a work-life balance, I get very curious about what that means to them. Unsurprisingly, when they describe what they're aiming for, it's not really balance. It's, it's or to use the imagery, equilibrium. What they're really looking for is harmony. I love the concept of harmony because when a bunch of notes are played at the same time and they work together well, you get a beautiful sound or a chord, which makes harmony. Or as Oxford Dictionary defines it, the combination of simultaneously sounded musical notes to produce chords and chord progressions having a pleasing effect. My kids are the music theory buffs, not me, so I'll try not to go too deep here. But think about your favorite soothing music. It's got beautiful harmonies and it works. If one of the instruments or singers is out of tune, it creates a kind of friction that's hard to listen to, especially if it lasts through the whole song or an entire symphony. The same is true in life. So we help our clients reframe the concept of balance or equilibrium and start to imagine and define what harmony looks, sounds, and feels like in their lives. Now the pressure is off to perform and reach a particular destination or achievement. When we conceptualize work-life harmony as a cycle, as the HBR study shows, now it's more about being on a continuum and striving to make adjustments over time. In my coaching, I call this constant course correction. If we're embracing a growth mindset, we'll be open to the idea of harmony as our goal rather than balance, because work-life harmony can look different every day, be pretty good, and still have room for improvement. Once you've made that slight but significant mindset shift, now you can take some action steps. So I'm going to run through the five steps of the work-life balance cycle in HBR research and share some of our client experiences of creating and implementing their own strategy for work-life harmony cycle. So step one, pause and denormalize. Take a step back and ask yourself a series of questions. What is currently causing me stress, unbalance, or dissatisfaction? How are these circumstances affecting how I perform and engage with my work? How are they impacting my personal life? What am I prioritizing? What am I sacrificing? What's getting lost? Only after you take a mental pause and acknowledge these factors, can you begin to tackle them. Now, these six questions are very good and certainly appropriate for a longer pause and reflection, perhaps during a coaching call or while you're journaling. If you're really in it, though, in the moment, I suggest posing two questions that will help you pause and reflect quickly in the moment. So ask yourself these two questions. First one, what is causing me stress right now? And the second question, what am I willing to do to support myself through it? Your answer to the second question is really key to finding what works for you in the moment. 
It might be to pause, breathe, examine the facts so you can come back to more rational thinking and actions, and then ask yourself what your ideal outcome is in this situation. From there, you can start to map your path, usually from the end to the beginning. The very act of pausing and breathing will help you with emotional regulation and coming back to your center. When we feel better, we make better choices. So the pause is imperative. To get to the root of it, I invite clients to zoom out to the 10,000 foot view where we slow way down, go back to the beginning and examine what they really want. We identify their vision, goals, and desires for their life and business. This is where denormalization comes into play in our coaching. By identifying what the true priorities are, the draw and pressure toward overwork and skewed priorities becomes less attractive and over time, over time, less powerful. And that brings us to the second step. Step two, pay attention to your emotions. Once you've increased your awareness of your situation, examine how that situation makes you feel. Ask yourself, do I feel energized, fulfilled, satisfied, or do I feel angry, resentful, sad? Understanding your decisions on a rational level is important, but what we often miss and has been overlooked in the past is emotional reflexivity, your capacity to recognize how a situation is making you feel. We pay a lot of lip service to emotional intelligence or EQ, but what we're missing is how our humanity is always with us, no matter how hard we may try to operate like a machine. So at work, we're expected to check our emotions at the door, so to speak, and stuff down all the feelings. The problem with that is that we're missing the cues and data our emotions provide us. This is why it's so important to incorporate a system or practice for checking in with yourself. This is one of the most effective tools my clients use to stave off overworking and burnout. I recommend a daily journaling practice or even something simpler like keeping a list of what's most important to you in a visible space, say on a small note on your desk. This way, you don't always have to rely on your memory, (laughs) especially, particularly when life and business get busy and when you're tempted to slip into old patterns. The third step often feels like a big challenge to our clients because to them, everything feels like a priority and it can be hard to distinguish where their priorities land in terms of importance. So step three is to re-prioritize. Increasing your cognitive and emotional awareness gives you the tools you need to put things into perspective and determine how your priorities need to be adjusted. The interviewees in the HBR study that described a more positive work-life balance intentionally reprioritized how they spent their time in a way that lined up with their true priorities. When our clients begin their work with us, we start with a longer strategy session where we explore eight areas of life and business to get a feel for where they're at now and how they'd like to improve or expand in each area. We choose two to three areas to focus on to set their their vision and identify their goals. What's amazing is even if we focus only on two to three areas to start, the spillover effect touches every area of their lives and business. When you get crystal clear about your vision and goals, you can shift your focus and attention to a few key areas and it becomes easier to navigate boundaries and priorities and ultimately frees up your time and brain space. One of our clients, a practice owner and clinician, was really struggling with finding the right balance or creating harmony, both at work and at home. We started, as always, by slowing way down and zooming out to 
to the 10,000 foot view to get clear about all of the things she wants to achieve personally and professionally. From there, we dug a little deeper to discover where there might be conflicting priorities. She came to understand that the load she was carrying as the CEO and a provider was way too much to carry for one person. We came up with a plan for her to scale back her clinical hours to focus only on forensic and high-profile cases so her billable hours would contribute to the bottom line, and she could then focus more of her time and energy on mentoring, supervising, and supporting her team of providers, technologists, and administrators. It also became very clear that it was time to bring in a partner to the practice so she could scale back further and shift more of her time and focus to her home life while still keeping an eye to her retirement in the next seven to 10 years. It took some doing and there were some challenges, but over the course of a few months, she started to feel more at ease and reported a sense of harmony at work and home and overall was feeling more optimistic and content. Step four, consider your alternatives, continues the cycle of regular re-evaluation and improvement. Before jumping into solutions, spend some time reflecting on the aspects of your work and life that could be different in order to better align with your priorities. Are there components of your work that you'd like to see changed? How much time would you like to spend with your family or on hobbies, for example? For our clients, this is where the concept of work-life harmony starts to really take shape. One of our clients, a psychotherapist, recently shared that he noticed he has about a six-week period of time when he can focus intensely on growth activities, projects, or learning a new, a new skill set. Then it takes him a few weeks to recover because he's gone all out in those six weeks. On top of that, he runs his telehealth practice from his home office, so it can be challenging to turn off work and switch gears to home life. I honed in on the six-week time frame and suggested there may be a way to game his energy cycles so he can get in front of the post-six-week sprint doldrums. Guess what we talked about first? His highest priorities. Through a series of open-ended questions, we worked out that he could set timeframes for sprint and rest cycles in shorter increments so he wouldn't exhaust himself and also to help him stay on track to achieve his goals. Now, this client has a framework he can apply to every initiative he commits to, and he can keep himself honest and out of overthinking or analysis paralysis and overworking because he has a time frame that acts as a deadline. It's a simple way to help him stay focused while honoring his need for rest and heading off the cycle of exertion depletion. Okay, so this is all very interesting and it's easy to say, right? So, how Do we bring to life the steps of this cycle of work-life balance, or my preferred word, harmony? The fifth step in the cycle is implement changes. Once you've recognized your priorities and carefully considered the options that could help you improve, now it's time to take action. But based on the research, HBR suggests making public changes, such as explicitly shifting your team's um, expectations and to make private expectations like self-imposing boundaries, such as choosing not to work on evenings, weekends, or holidays, and then sticking to that decision. I'll share a client story to expand on the HBR study findings simply due to the nature of the interviewees who all work in some kind of corporate office setting. One of our clients, a chiropractor and regenerative medicine specialist, came to us exhausted, on the brink of burnout, and considering selling his practice just so he could start eating lunch again and leave work on time to pick up his young children from childcare. 
He found himself catching up on paperwork and administrative tasks on weekends and during holidays when he could have been relaxing and enjoying time with his family or doing anything other than work. To say the least, his life and work were out of harmony. He was struggling with prioritizing tasks and had been holding back on hiring a full-time office manager. His practice was relatively new, less than two years, and he was concerned about cash flow and being responsible to pay another person's full-time salary. Understandable, right? This is all understandable. Well, guess what we did? (laughs) We slowed down and got very clear about what's most important to him in his business and his life. We took a look at his schedule, the length of his patient waiting list, and whether he would be able to make adjustments to see these patients or if he would need to bring in another provider to carry the load. At that time, he didn't feel ready to bring in another provider. When we combed over his numbers, looked closely at his schedule, and got very honest about how much time he was spending on tasks that an administrative professional could handle more efficiently and would probably enjoy more than he did, he saw big gaps in his schedule that would be easy to fill if he had a full-time admin person. Hiring that person was a big step. Obviously, the first step was getting clear about priorities and his vision and goals and making sure the numbers made sense. Once the office manager was hired and trained, my client was able to make small adjustments to his schedule and started to see more patients without working more hours or exhausting himself. Oh, he also started eating lunch at a regular time every day for the first time in almost two years and started taking half of Fridays for research and studies and the other half for special time with his young family. During the three months it took to hire the full-time admin and make adjustments to his schedule, he increased his revenues by 40%. At the end of our first year working together, he doubled his revenues. And in the second year, broke ground on a new building where he and his new business partner would go on to open a multi-modality integrative clinic with multiple providers. By the way, he still takes half day Friday for research And now that his children are in all day school, he uses the rest of Fridays for whatever he wants to do to rest and replenish. It's important to note that the five steps are not a one-time activity, but an ongoing cycle of continuous re-evaluation and improvement. Given that the culture of healthcare is one of long hours and intense working environments, it can be easy to slide back into the way, air quotes here, things are always done. This is where we help our clients create their system for constant course correction that will be simple to implement and remember. I've covered a lot in this episode. We started with mindset, a slight but significant shift in how we view and even name work-life balance or integration. I invite you to consider harmony as a metaphor for finding the right mix of work priorities, being the practice leader, and your life outside of work. A quick overview or review of the five steps in the cycle of work-life harmony. Step one, pause and denormalize. Do this regularly so you don't slip into old habits. Take the time to get crystal clear about what you really want and why it's important to you. Tie all of your priorities into your vision and action plans. Step two, pay attention to your emotions. Keep a journal or keep a list of what's important to you, what's most important to you in a visible place like a small note on your desk. My favorite advice, breathe deeply and often. Step three, reprioritize. Choose two to three areas to focus on to set your vision and identify your goals. You'll be amazed at the spillover effect when you hone your focus to a few areas instead of every single area you'd like to improve. Step four, consider your alternatives. Are there components of your work that you'd like to see changed? 
how much time would you like to spend with your family or on hobbies? And step five, implement changes. Once you've recognized your priorities and carefully considered the options that could help you improve, it's time to take action. Start with one public and one private change and choose something relatively easy easy to implement so you can build momentum. Remember, every day brings something different. Life is not static. So adopting a growth mindset where you see life as a continuum will serve you so well. We have linked all of the resources we found helpful in preparing for this episode into the show notes. So if you're a lover of the rabbit hole to wrap your mind around a subject, you'll get a great start with them. I hope you found this episode valuable and that it's given you something to think about. If you'd like to explore how you can create harmony in your life and practice, schedule your complimentary practice assessment strategy with me. You can do that at tracycherpesky.com forward slash coaching hyphen benefits and click on the schedule button to get started. It would be an honor to meet with you to help you get crystal clear about what you want most and to craft a plan to move you closer to your goals and vision. That link to schedule is also in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Thriving Practice. I appreciate you. And I have an ask. If you got value from this show, make sure to share it. You can give a shout out on social media or tell your friends and colleagues about it. You can also subscribe so you never miss a show. To learn more about how we work with practice owners to help them take back their time, head over to tracytrupesky.com. While you're there, sign up for our newsletter, which has tips and tools for your practice success. A special thanks to our incredible team and thanks to you, our dear listener, for sharing the gift of your time and attention. I wish you so much success as you continue to move forward in your day. If I can be a resource to you, let's schedule a time to talk. You can find the scheduling link on our website.